Welcome one and all to episode 177 of the original Draft Breakdown Podcast. I'm your host, Seth Cox. With me tonight, my co-host, Justin Higdon. And Justin, we are into the bowl season. Well, the all-star game season, I guess, technically, right? Yeah, exactly. We've got we've already had a couple of the smaller ones. We had the College Gridiron Showcase a few weeks ago. Uh, we had the Hula Bowl, which we covered at length on bonus episode, uh, our bonus episode on Patreon last week. So if you not a subscriber i recommend signing up for at least the two dollar tier the elite tier and um, you can get all our bonus episodes and and you can hear about some of the standouts from that hula bowl those are gonna be late round undrafted free agent types but those are guys that you're gonna want to know and then uh to this week this weekend we're gonna have the nfl pa collegiate bowl and um then going into next week we're gonna have the shrine bowl and that game is going to be played on February 2nd. And then the Senior Bowl is going to be that Saturday on the 4th. So these are coming fast and furious. We're going to knock these three games out. And uh, again, if you want to hear more about the Hula Bowl, and we're going to do other bonus coverage uh, this week and next, that Patreon link is in the show notes on your iTunes or Spotify, wherever you choose to listen to. Um, so, Seth, we're going to start with... Uh, quarterbacks you know this episode is going to be all about the quarterbacks that are set to play in these next three all-star games and there's going to be some overlap here we'll talk about that and we'll talk about some scenarios um because you'll notice one or two names missing from the players that are supposedly committed to playing these games so let's start with the nflpa yeah the nflpa uh like you said coming up this week What's really interesting to me, and we'll get into it as we go through all of these guys, but is that most of these quarterbacks are old. And what I mean by that is, like, some of them are, like, Kyler Murray's age already. Some of them are older than uh, Joe Burrow. Or not Joe Burrow, uh, who... Or maybe it is Joe Burrow, yeah. Like, these guys are all just older guys. And and so, it you know, it makes sense that a lot of them are in these lower bowls. Uh, we start with a guy that's been around the block. Um, Todd Centineo of James Madison currently. He has stops in Temple and Colorado State. He started at... Colorado State last year in 21 and then again at uh James Madison this year um he turned or he is 24 years old I believe so this is always the fun part right so what Justin and I always joke about um the school list and by the way these NFLPA measurements are official measurements so now we can start making fun of things. Right. These are measurements from the bowl game itself or from the NFLPA game itself. Uh, they listed him at 6'1", 225. He came in at 224, so at least that was close, right? Yep. Um, but 5'11 and a half, so one and a half inches shorter than his listed height. Uh, this year, nine and a half yards per attempt, 25 touchdowns and five interceptions. So he, he really, you know, kind of produced as a as a 24 year old and and that's not taking a shot at him that's just reality like he was 24 this year and and had his best collegiate year 
Um, you know, and, and we've talked about that. Like one of the things and it, it does is that these guys tend to have a little more experience uh, experience <laughs> than than the guys are going but they're also physically more mature physically right? mentally more mature as well and um you know this is a guy he was in his sixth year <clears throat> in college and like you said he had stops elsewhere so he's had experience played with a lot of teammates and he played really well this year uh, you mentioned the touchdown to interception ratio he's averaging almost 10 yards an attempt and then he, he added seven touchdowns on the ground. He's a mobile threat, and he's got that big running back build, really. Um, and the other thing I think it's important to note, well, speaking of that, in running back build, he's also expected to run 4-6. I was going to ask you about that. Could that make him an intriguing, like, fullback, short yardage back type of gadget guy, almost like a Chris Trevler? who you saw with the Arizona Cardinals and I believe now with the New York Jets that, you know, hasn't really had success in the NFL, but he has found a way to be in the NFL, if you will. Yeah, so I think Santeo's one of these guys where you're going to have different teams are going to have different ideas about how they want to use him. So there probably will be some, some teams that ask him to work out at running back because of his, his build, short and stout. Um, but you, you can't take away from his arm. He's got a pretty live arm, and he threw with, with accuracy this year. He took shots down the field. Um, he was a guy I hadn't really paid attention to until I talked to Emery Hunt, football game plan um, and uh, of CBS Sports. And he uh, said, you, you got to check this guy out. you know. And I said, um, yeah, I, I I go. Yeah, I wait on uh, FCS guys, and he goes, "Hey, moron!" He was playing in the Sun Belt this year, and I was like, "Ah, you got me," because uh, this was JMU's first year in the FBS, and so I wasn't even paying attention to them on that level. But then you look closely, and there's Santeo in their first year in the FBS. He's leading James Madison to an eight and three record. So that's that's pretty impressive. Okay, um, I think this is a guy to keep an eye on. I do think the NFL, as they tend to, they're going to want to see a guy with this athleticism work out different positions. But he's going to get his shot at quarterback, especially if he shows out well in this game. Next on the list is another older gentleman in terms of uh, collegiate age. He is fifth-year senior Malik Cunningham of Louisville, um, a guy that for a long time has been a really solid college football player, but never really took the next step, right? He really broke out as a sophomore at Louisville and then never really improved off that year. Um, but then it, there was the 2021 season where he statistically had his best year, where he had uh, 2,940 or yeah, 2,941 yards passing, uh, 1,031 rushing, 19 passing touchdowns, 20 rushing touchdowns. So hugely productive. He was banged up this year. But if you look at Louisville's all-time leaderboard, there is Malik Cunningham sitting fourth all-time in passing yards in school history third all-time in rushing yards, and uh, tied for first 
in rushing touchdowns all time at Louisville, tied with none other than Lamar Jackson. Now, Malik had a couple extra years to get that done. Yeah, and you know, you look at it, he's had a nice career, but he turns twenty five in October. He's gonna run really well. He's supposed to be in the in the mid to high four fives. Um do you think he's at the NFLPA because he wants to try to play quarterback? Yeah, I think so. He's, um, you know, I thought he might come out last year after that huge year, but he went back to Louisville, which I thought was a curious decision because he was already going to be 24. And now, like you said, he's going to be 25. But he's going to get to play quarterback at this event. Um, again, he's another player. He's he's going to be, he came enlisted at six foot 194. So you said he's going to run well. So he's going to be another player that I think the NFL is going to ask, depending on what team you're talking about. They're going to, there are teams that might ask him to work out at different positions. I think he's in a a place where he doesn't have the obligation to do that if he really wants to try out, uh, you know, end up as a tryout player at receiver or something like that. Maybe he does. <clears throat> but um, remember now, we've got these other pro leagues coming out, the USFL, XFL. So there's opportunities. There are going to be opportunities for these guys. If they want to keep playing quarterback, they don't necessarily have to jump in and, and do exactly, jump through the hoops that the NFL wants them to just yet. A name that we'll repeat as we go through this, uh, Tanner Morgan. He's He played in the Hula Bowl. Now yep. he's at the NFL PA Bowl. And he's going to head to the Shrine Bowl. Yeah, and we'll talk more about him when we get into the Shrine Bowl, but I'll tell you his official measurement from the NFLPA was 61206. And we we've got hand size and arm length and all that stuff. I didn't want to bog down the show. We're not going to talk all these guys were that measured at the NFLPA were in the normal range of of hand size except for one guy and we'll talk about that when we get to him. Next is the great Sean Clifford. He finally left Penn State apparently. He was also in the Hula Bowl. And Clifford um will be twenty five in July. Which is always interesting, right? Um Clifford is Penn State's all time leader in pass yards and passing touchdowns, fifteen career rushing touchdowns as well. I mean, honestly, he probably had the best season of his career this year. Twenty eight hundred yards. Uh, 64.4 completion percentage, eight and a half yards per attempt, and 24 touchdowns to only seven interceptions. Probably and they won the, best, the Rose Bowl too. Yeah, probably the best year of his career. He he moves well enough. Um, you know, he had five touchdowns rushing this year. He's supposed to be a mid four six guy. Um, you know, listed six two two twenty, came in at six two two thirteen. I don't. I mean, he's probably an undrafted free agent camp arm, right? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> he doesn't have – I don't think he has the type of athleticism that anybody's going to want to try him um, at receiver, certainly. And he's not big enough, bulky enough to, to get an H-back look. So you're talking about strictly a quarterback type of athlete here, even though he does run pretty well for a QB. Um, you know, his accuracy has always been up and down. And there was a point where um, Sean, um, Sean Clifford was almost replaced at Penn State by Will Levis. But Will Levis was not ready for prime time when Penn State t- tried to do that. And, and uh, Clifford kept 
getting that job back, and that's why Levis ultimately transferred to Kentucky. Um, you know, like I said, Clifford was at the Hula Bowl, not overly impressive in that game. I didn't get to see the practices for that event, but um, it's good for – I think adding that extra layer of all-star games is really good for these guys because a guy like Clifford's going to have a chance to – He's already going to have a chance to play in two. And depending on what happens, we always see sometimes they're shuffling with the Shrine and Senior Bowl with quarterbacks. So there's a chance he could uh, sneak into the Shrine or Senior Bowl. If I, I doubt Senior Bowl, but there's a chance he could sneak in if a couple other guys duck out. It looks like this is going to be the end of the road for him as far as All-Star games, though. Next on the list is another guy that we'll talk about when we get to the Shrine, but Tommy DeVito. Um, he measured in at 6'1", 209, but he has very large hands, and I'm still convinced he's in witness protection program after <laughs> moving from uh, Syracuse to Illinois. Yeah, DeVito had a pretty good year, and we'll talk more about that in a minute, but the hand size was notable because he was, he was the only guy that came in at the NFLPA with uh, – 10 inch or larger hands. He came in 10 and a quarter inch. So even though he's a smaller guy, 6'1, 209, no question, he can grip the, the football. Um, this last guy that we have for the NFLPA, he might be the most, you know, he might be the most intriguing player this week as far as the quarterbacks in this NFLPA event because we didn't get to see him in anything leading into this. And we didn't, unlike uh, Santillo and Malik Cunningham, we didn't get to see him play FBS. This is Lindsey Scott from Incarnate Word, and that's an FCS school. He measured in at 5'10 and a quarter, 228. So another short but stout guy. He also turns, I believe he turns 25 in June, although there's some question because he started college in 2016. So he might even be a year older than that, but I think we have him at 25. He is a seven-year collegiate and well-traveled, Seth. Five different schools, including LSU, where he started out. I believe then he moved to junior college, from there to Mizzou, and then to FCS Nichols State, before finally landed at Incarnate Word. And then he had an absolute monster season, 60 passing touchdowns, eight picks, 712 rushing yards, another 11 rushing touchdowns. So he counted for 71 touchdowns in his lone year at Incarnate Word. Have you seen this guy play? No. Okay. I haven't seen much of him either, but I did see him play in an epic FCS playoff game. It was back and forth, high scoring, and Lindsey Scott was putting up big numbers. And uh, as you would think, with those numbers, accounting for a lot of touchdowns in a really high scoring shootout. So it's exciting for him to get this chance in front of NFL scouts and we'll see what comes of it because to me, he looks like a guy you've got to keep at quarterback, but also you've got to worry about the height there, five ten and a quarter. And as I mentioned, he's going to be an older prospect. He's an undrafted free agent type, but he has an exciting skill set from what little I've seen and just uh, really dominated his level of competition in his final year. That takes us to the Shrine game, and I like this group. What are your thoughts just on the group overall? It's a it's a good group, and we have some 
guys who have been really productive and prolific at their very stops. And we've got um, guys that will be going into their second and even third all-star game. So that shows a, just a lot of determination. And yeah, it's a, it's a pretty good group. And when you look, I want to say this, when you look at the quarterbacks, even when we get to the senior bowl, it's not a great class. And like you said, it's an older class. So I think the Shrine did well to get the guys they got. And we'll see. Um, they still have a slot open. So I'm gonna. we've got five of them. We've got five names. We'll talk at the very end of the show, when we get through all the games, we'll talk about some scenarios of how they're going to fill that sixth spot. But right now we're looking at um, five guys we know are pretty locked in. You're on mute. Good call. Uh, Dorian Thompson-Robinson, a guy we've talked about on the show. Um, I'm actually interested about his actual size because I feel like the way he's built, he looks like a guy that's going to come in at like 6'2 and a fourth, but like 194 pounds. Like they're they're shrinking him down and like upping his weight to make him look or more uh, draftable than being a beanpole. Yeah, I think it's um, NFLDraftBuzz.com had him at 6'1, 205, and they pull measurements from. Um, they they have some measurements on that site that came from like last spring, so you got measurements where, where official scouts were coming onto these high school or onto these college campuses and and sizing up the seniors that were in last year's draft, and then measuring up some of the juniors, some of the underclassmen that they expected to be in the next draft. Um, so again, yeah, six one two zero five is what we have on him so far. He turns twenty four in November. So he's not quite as old as some of these other guys. He'll at least start his rookie season at 23. Um, this is something I didn't know until I did the research into this. We've all seen Dorian Thompson-Robinson play a, a bunch of football. But did you know he is UCLA's all-time leader in passing yards and passing touchdowns? Uh, no, but honestly, it's not surprising because like, I think Andrew Walter – is the Arizona state all-time leader on passing yards and touchdowns. And when those guys get four full seasons and in Thompson's case, five full seasons <laughs> playing quarterback, mm -hmm. they just tend to like, like 25 touchdowns, even though that's not a lot, you get five seasons of those. And it just turns into actually, I think Walter was the pac 12 or pac 10 back in the day, all time passing touchdown leader for a while. And some like, of these are junk junk stats because what you're alluding to and, and what we can say outright is when guys stay for four and five years, they, they're not necessarily good enough prospects to jump early. Uh, next on the list is... Well, I wanted to mention real quick, DTR, okay. fifth all-time in rushing touchdowns also at UCLA, which is, is funny because he's a quarterback. And also they expect him to run around the four six four, So he is going to be a quarterback. Um, probably late round, but I think he's going to stick there. Next on the list, uh, Purdue quarterback Aiden O'Connell. As a two-year starter, numbers were about two-to-one touchdown-to-interception ratio, which is really, really not great for college anymore, especially in, in college, you know, passing. Um, 
you look at this season, he took a step back. And then I think the biggest concern is that he is just a statue in the pocket, right? He doesn't have a lot of mobility. I mean, he, he tries to move around in the pocket and he can buy some time, but he is not going to escape. So if he does not get rid of the ball, it will end up in a sack. And that's, you know, they, we expect he's going to be running around a five second 40, maybe a little better than that. Um, but negative 274 career rushing yards. That guy took a ton of sacks. I was really surprised that O'Connell, you know, is another a 25-year-old rookie. He'll be 25 in September. I was a little surprised that he opted out of the New Year's Day bowl game they had with LSU. And maybe that was after his, it, it was after his receiver, uh, Charlie Jones, opted out. So maybe O'Connell was just like, heck, uh, all my, my receiver, Jones, is opting out. My tight end, Payne Durham, is opting out. I'm a sitting duck against LSU. I better opt out too. But I he didn't seem like the type you know, he's going to be a late round or undrafted free agent, I would think. It doesn't seem like the type of prospect that would opt out of a bowl game. But what I'd like about O'Connell is he typically he gets the ball out quickly and on time, keeps the offense on schedule. And Purdue was playing with, you know, they had the two guys I mentioned in the passing game, but they were playing with a walk-on freshman running back. It wasn't a great supporting cast. And O'Connell, you know, like I say, kept that offense on schedule on time and he was good enough to help them to a successful enough season where they ended up in a New Year's Day bowl game where they won that half of the Big Ten and played in the Big Ten uh, championship game and got, you know, I think, or they, no, it was Iowa that beat them out. But they were right in the mix to get into the Big Ten championship game until that final weekend when they lost to uh, Indiana. Tanner Morgan, a guy we mentioned earlier, we have the official height and weight, like you said, 6'1", 206. Uh, played in the Hula Bowl, turns 24 in April. Again, another 2-1 to one touchdown to interception guy. Maybe it's just the Big Ten, right? <laughs> you trying to bait me? Uh, no, I mean, it's it's these these programs like Purdue, like Minnesota, they, they're not going to get the top quarterback recruits, so they get these guys that can – can um, operate the offense within the structure of the offense and keep things on time, on schedule. Morgan was never a uh, great passer. I think he had some people excited when he was a freshman just because he started, um, you know, early on in his career. But um, it just never really went anywhere from from there. You know, he just wasn't a player who really got better and better as his career wore on. He was just... Uh, kind of a guy and but he played in the hula bowl um he's another player who's not going to give you a ton of mobility but he's get, he's a little bit more mobile than o'connell and um one thing that you're going to hear about both o'connell and morgan is leadership because again these these programs purdue minnesota these, these programs were terrible and they've gotten to a point where they're winning eight nine games here and there and um that it, those guys were part of that those guys were part of the success of those teams. So uh, that's what's going to draw. You know how – look at Brock Purdy right now. Uh, last year, Iowa State was, what, 7-6 seven, seven and six or something like that in 2021, and they went to the Cheez-It Bowl. And now Brock Purdy, he, he's Mr. Irrelevant. 
and now he's uh, two. He's one game away from this playing in a Super Bowl. Um, maybe this is the trend. Maybe these we can look at these quarterbacks that we're talking about tonight. Say who's who's the next Mister Irrelevant that's going to go on some kind of crazy run. You know, NFL teams like to copycat each other. Next on the list is Devito. Uh, turns twenty five in August. He's started two seasons, twenty nineteen and twenty twenty two, which is you know odd in and of itself, right? Yeah, uh, but those are two different coaches, right? One was Lovey Smith, I believe. Oh no, he was at. Uh, that's right. That's when he was at Syracuse. Uh, that's right. That's right. That's right. They were awful too. Dino Bobbers or Babers or uh, not worth knowing how to say his name. And then this year with with uh, good old Bert Bielema. Bielema. Let <laughs> me correct myself real quick. I was right. To, I should have gone with my gut. Purdue did lose to Michigan. It wasn't Iowa. Uh, that's a uh, function of memory that fades when you get into your 40s like I am. So my apologies on that, on stumbling over that. But uh, let's talk about DeVito. This is another guy who's not going to give you much on the ground, but certainly a little bit more uh, mobility, I think, than Seth, uh, than, uh, than Tanner yeah, Morgan and Aiden O'Connell. De- definitely more than me. Yeah. Uh, but you look at it, I mean – Here's the thing, and it's not a complete nail in the coffin, but struggling at to get reps at Syracuse, and then you know, especially on a team that went one and ten that year. And well, I know part of that was they they wanted to alternate those guys, Devito and and uh, Culpepper. Yeah, that was it, Sh- Schrader. Uh, this said Rex Culpepper. Oh, wow. Never heard of it. <laughs> but yeah, it's this, this is a guy when he, um, he, he started for a while and then he came, fell off for a while and then he's back to starting. So, oh, that was, so 2021 was Garrett Schrader. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That was the kid that transferred from Mississippi state. Okay. And they and they did want to get him in, in, you know, more to do some running because he's a great running quarterback, and Devito's not. But ultimately, they come back to Devito, um, and then Devito transfers. So right, and, but he had his then, best year this year. I was gonna say, and Devito kind of won that, right? They went eight and five in the Big Ten. Cuse went seven and six in the ACC. They both lost their bowl game, but. One had, you know, divine intervention as Mississippi State beat Illinois, and the other one just Q's lost to Minnesota. So, um, but like you said, DeVito, best season, almost 70% completion percentage, but only 15 touchdowns four to four interceptions. Obviously, the Chase Brown effect, but they're just a team that doesn't score. I mean, 95th in the country. But they're also a team that doesn't allow any points. They were yeah. first in opponents' points per game. They were so, a grinding team. So, yeah. So, they – I mean, because that's the thing is, like, when you look at his numbers, you look at that and you go 2,600 yards, 15 touchdowns, probably threw the ball 250 times. He threw the ball 369 times. Like, I'm I'm not saying that's a lot, but you would expect – 
a little bit better number. Like, for instance, Garrett Schrader at Syracuse this year threw it 318 times, more yards, more touchdowns. Like, that's that's the only thing. And and I get it. The Fighting Bielema's like they they're not trying to throw the football, man. They they're not about that life. But this year especially, they had a formula. You look at the, uh, Illinois almost upset Michigan, and it took a, a game-winning field goal in the final seconds by the best kicker in college football, Moody, to win that game. So that's just the kind of football that Illinois plays. And that and it's a, it was a recipe for success. They're going to have a new quarterback, new running back next year. So he's going to – but, you know, Bielema is still working with the recruits that he inherited and, and transfers, guys like DeVito. The final guys, again, maybe the most intriguing of the bunch, uh, just from a we-don't-know-him standpoint, Tim Dimerat from Fordham. 6'3", 224, official measurement as he played in the Hula Bowl. Uh, but he had 123 touchdowns to only 39 interceptions in his career, including 56 touchdowns this year. So, again, we're talking now like a 3-to-1 a ratio instead of 2-to-1. The big thing is... Another statuesque quarterback in the pocket. Um, he's supposed to be a high four eight, low four nine guy. Six three two twenty four. He's kind of built like an old school quarterback, right? Yeah, it gives you good size. He's a pure pocket passer with that height weight speed combo. Um, he's got a little bit mo- more mobility than a couple of the guys. I mean, I think he's on, on par as an athlete of like Morgan, but they didn't a- ask him to run at all from what I can tell at Fordham. Um, although he did punch in, um, I think, punt, I, I forget, it was like 10 or 12 rushing touchdowns. I didn't jot it down because that's really not his game. He, he can punch it in from short yardage, you know, because of his size, he can sneak it in. But <clears throat> the other thing is I don't have an age on, on Tim Demorat, so not really quite sure how old he was. But to, if I recall correctly, and you know what that's worth at this point, um, I think he was, you know, a fourth or fifth year guy. Not he wasn't a sixth or seventh year guy like like some of these players that we're talking about. Um, in the Hula Bowl, had the best big play pass of the day. He had a seventy yard touchdown to UAB wide receiver Trey Shropshire, who's one of the guys we spotlighted on Patreon last week. So uh, already so far a successful All Star season for Tim Demorat, and he'll have a chance to build on that in the Shrine. So. Yeah, and that's five quarterbacks down. We've got one more spot there. We're not quite sure who it's going to go to. But after we talk about these Senior Bowl guys, we'll circle back to that. Senior Bowl starts with Jaron Hall. Now, this one's not surprising that he's old. He's a BYU guy, so he probably went on a mission. Um, if he didn't, I apologize. But I believe so. Yeah, I believe but so. But he's been around forever, you know, so... Uh, Listed at six one two oh five. He's had a really nice career the last two years taking over for Zach Wilson. Didn't have the breakout singular season. But his last two seasons combined, outside of, you know, more yardage, is similar to what we saw out of Wilson, right? Yeah, the the touchdown to interception ratio is good. He's fifty one touchdowns, eleven picks over the last two years. He's more he's a mobile guy. He's more of a runner. Than, than Zach Wilson was in college. Uh, nine career touchdown rushes for Jaron Hall. Um, they said he's an older guy. at He'll be 25 in March. But um, 
he can run. 4.54 is his expected 40, so he could be in the low 4.5s at 6.1205. We're not sure exactly, you know, what what's the NFL going to think about him, but I, you get the idea that they like him well enough that Jim Nagy went hard after him. Um, he still right now seems to have the NFL's ear as far as some of these quarterbacks. And, um, but you, one of the themes I notice as we go through these guys, there's not a lot of size at the quarterback position this year. Um, you had Demorat, 6'3", 224. Um, but other than that, you don't have, I mean, O'Connell's supposed to be around 6'3", but you don't, but he's not a big guy. You don't have a lot of size. All these guys are small. Hall is no exception. We'll see. An important thing for a guy like that when he get when he gets to the All Star game is to come in actually over two hundred pounds because we've seen guys come in under at some of these events. Jake Hayner, uh, Fresno State, over four thousand yards um, in twenty twenty one, right? Yeah, and then he follows that up with the. A, a good season this year. He was, uh, I think, banged up to start the year, so it was a slow yeah. start to the year. And and you you look at it, only ten games, like you said, but averaged about you know all, just under three hundred yards a game. So at where at his pace, if he would have played thirteen again, he probably would have been right around thirty eight, thirty nine hundred yards. Uh, also threw twenty touchdowns, so we're talking you know to only three interceptions. So we're talking about a guy that if he played the same amount of games as he did last year, he was more efficient this year, 72% completion percentage. Um, his his yards per attempt were relatively the same. Um, and then, you know, 20 touchdowns on the season to only three interceptions. He was, he was really good with the ball for a Fresno State team that didn't have uh, – the weapons that they did last year when they had a really good season. Um, you know, but Jeff Tedford is a, is a guy that he's done some things when it comes to making quarterbacks, right? The NFL certainly thinks so. Um, Hainer, another small guy, six, one, 200, another old guy turns 24 in March and another guy with not a ton of mobility rent expected to be about a four, eight guy. And a player with negative rushing yards, which is always, again, an indicator that he took a lot of sacks. <clears throat> um, a lot of people thought Hayner would come out last year. He didn't. He almost transferred. He ended up staying at Fresno State for another year. Do you think that was a good decision on his part? Yeah, because, I mean, I don't know if he got an NIL deal or anything, but, like, I don't, I just don't see, like you said, his size – He's kind of like the the Mountain West Bryce Young. I mean, but not as mobile, really. Yeah, I think it it really didn't matter as far as his draft stock whether he came out last year or next, um, last year or this year. So maybe it was nil money that uh, kept him in, or maybe he he thought he could. You know, I'm not sure he gets into the Senior Bowl last year, so maybe that was part of the calculus. And now he's in to. Um, to the Senior Bowl, which again is on February the fourth, um, surprise inclusion a guy we've mentioned before on the show, but that's Tyson Bajent from Shepherd. That's a D two school, one of the few young guys. Yeah, um, he's. I think he's going to be either twenty two or twenty three in June. But regardless, that makes him one. I I think the youngest, one of the youngest guys that we're talking about tonight, and he's got 
He's expected to have good size, 6'3", 220. Um, he has the NCAA All-Divisions record with 159 career touchdown passes, 12 career rushing touchdowns. Uh, not a Again, not like a, a player who's going to be called on to run the ball a lot, but he's a player who can push ahead in short yardage, pick up a few yards. Um, we don't have the thing about Bajant, we don't know a lot about him as far as like his athletic testing. He wasn't one of these big recruits that participated in the opening or anything well, like and, that. And that's the thing is like we can say whatever about about this guy. This is going to be the first exposure for a lot of people to him. And unfortunately, it's, it's not going to make or break him as a prospect, but it's going to be the first time he's playing up against a lot of D1 guys getting the opportunity to show what he has. And this is going to be, a, you know, a takeaway for a lot of guys. Um, the fun note on him is his dad is an arm wrestling champ. So that was, uh, I think it was Dane Brugler who wrote the profile <laughs> of Tyson Bajan. And that was part of, and the other funny thing is, you know, we, sometimes we stumble over some of these names. We're not quite sure how to say it. So you might hear Seth say a name one way and I'll say it another way. Cause we figure we're covering our bases one way or the other, yeah. but uh, we, know it's, to we know it's, we know it's Bajan because I, it says it on his um, bio. It says pronounced like agent. I thought that was funny. Yeah. And I'm going to say it wrong on purpose just so people <laughs> get mad at me. So, uh, guy that probably should have waited till after the, uh, college football championship game to make a decision max duggan uh six two two ten he's he is a senior i mean he he is graduated i I would think though that texas nil money could have been sweet for him right coming off what he did last year but i mean also this is this is jake hayner to the nth degree as well right of striking while the iron's hot i I, mean just yeah those last three games were so bad but before that he was so good that he ended up being the heisman runner-up and um he was right he was that was he the heisman runner-up yeah yeah so that was not a repeatable thing nor was the record that sonny dykes and and uh Horn Frogs had uh, Quentin Johnson was probably almost always going to go. Kendra Miller was probably al- almost always going to go. It was there was very little chance to get the band back together for another year. So I get the decision. Duggan's the youngest guy of all these All Star guy game guys that we've talked about, and that's uh, he'll be twenty two in March. Uh, thirty six hundred ninety eight yards, thirty two touchdowns, eight picks on the year. But it was three touchdowns of five picks in those last three games that you mentioned. So that's uh, that leaves a sour taste in our mouths. And uh, I'm sure that's going to be one of the questions about him. Because when, you know, although he did help his team to a win against Michigan, he had a couple turnovers there. He just couldn't get anything done against Georgia. Few people could. But, you know, Duggan's going to, as we've talked about before, he's going to be compared directly to C.J. Stroud and and um, Bryce Young and other guys who've played Georgia over the last couple of years. The thing you get with Duggan is mobility. He's expected to run 4'6", four, 4'6'5", six, four, six, and he had 28 career rushing touchdowns. You saw in that Big 12 championship game, he had like 90 yards on that game-tying drive on the ground, and without that, t- uh, TCU, um, you know, they still end up losing that game, but they kept it close pushed it to overtime, and that probably sealed the deal for them to make the playoffs. 
the final guy that we know is going is Clayton Tune of of uh, Houston, almost twelve thousand career yards, which amazingly is only third in school history. Because <laughs> they he's got uh, I think David Klingler and Case Keenum ahead of him. Keenum kind of blows everybody away. And I mean, this year he was electric for 4,000 yards, 40 touchdowns, only 10 picks after 30 and 10 last year. So, I mean, talk about improving, right? Um, oh, as Clayton Toon has 104 career touchdown passes, which again is second in school second. history. <laughs> and Keenum had like 50 more <laughs> to give you an idea. So, Case Keenum's kind of the, the legend at, at Houston where you'll, you'll never break his records if you go there. But you know what Toon did this year that impressed me? 544 yards rushing, five touchdowns. He averaged over four yards a carry. And again, remember, they factor in sacks to that. So, like, this is a dude that put up 45 total touchdowns on a team that, um, you know, in Houston that was, I think, in the top 25 throughout the season, if I remember right. And he's got some size to him. He's one of the bigger guys we talked about tonight, 6'3". 220. We will have to see what the official measurements are coming in, but that's good size. Uh, to go along with the rushing, he had 15 rushing touchdowns in his career as well, and he's expected to run in the four sevens, low four sevens. So, but another they, older guy turns 24 in March. They obviously offered Hinden Hooker, whose knee is unfortunately, and he's uh, going. He's actually going, but he will not play. Yeah, he can't participate, but his knee was left on the field. <laughs> he will be there for interviews and all that good stuff. Now, the the guy that is the question mark is Will Levis because he has he accepted the invite, but we haven't really heard anything from him since. He accepted the inv- invite initially, and the last time I checked, when they had the quarterbacks on their roster, he was not on there. So I don't. That doesn't mean he's bowed out yet. But the Senior Bowl does a reveal show now with their roster, so that is something we're going to probably find out. Uh, you know, it's uh, we're taping on Monday, um, January 23rd, so I'm not sure how soon that Senior Bowl roster rollout show is going to air. You know, they, I know they do it online, so we'll see. Um, but the thing is, so if Levis is in, and this is where we get into the scenarios, right? If Levis is in, that's your Senior Bowl quarterback roster. But there's another domino to fall. If Levis backs out, I think that spot goes to Stetson Bennett. Don't you agree? You would think, and it's kind of odd that Bennett didn't get the the nod over a, a tune or a Hainer. Um, I can take, I can, or even a Dugan, right? I don't think you can put him over Duggan as far as prospects. And the thing about Toon, um, Toon was initially invited to the Shrine. But the Senior Bowl kind of scooped him up. And I think the NFL is very intrigued with his size, 6'3", 220. Now, we are talking a lot about quarterback age. The NFL is going to adjust their whole process for quarterback age now because so many more quarterbacks are coming out at 23, 24, 25 years old. Now we saw a bunch of guys go back next year that are going to come out in 2024 and they're going to be 24 25 years old too so the nfl is adjusting their entire process it seems they're not too worried about the quarterback age as they have been in the past and they're uh content to try and take some of these middle round guys and bennett if we were talking about bennett he's the oldest one of all of these players 
because he'll be 26 next fall. So I'm not really surprised. Maybe uh, Hainer is a good one. I, I really thought Bennett would get in before a Hainer or even a Beijing because we don't know so much about him. But that's, you know, clearly they like his size and his uh, production. And we talk about guys at lower levels. They need to dominate the lower level. And certainly he did that. But Stetson Bennett, he's kind of dominant at, at a high level. But maybe that's just part of being on one of the most dominant college teams that we've seen. So if Bennett doesn't end up in the senior bowl, where does he go? So uh, we, we talked about the shrine has five spots filled and one spot open. So I think that is what we're waiting on right now. Can Will Levis play? Is he willing to play in the senior bowl? I think he will. I shouldn't say this for sure, but I think he'll be at the senior bowl regardless. If he goes, does he play or is he, we know he was banged up with a thumb injury earlier in the year. Is that affecting him still? Is that something he still wants to work on before he goes out there and throws? Maybe that's the calculus there. If Levis goes and he can't play, they've got to fill that spot with somebody who can practice. That'll be Bennett. And if uh, Levis plays, I think Bennett's going to Vegas. And from what we heard, uh, he he's a guy who can, uh, you know, take advantage of a surrounding like Vegas. So we had uh, anything else on these quarterbacks before? Yeah, so what happens if Stetson Bennett goes to the Senior Bowl and Levis doesn't play and Bennett goes to the Senior Bowl? That Shrine has still one slot open. So... Keep your eyes on the players, the quarterbacks who have played in the NFLPA and Hula Bowl who haven't played in a second or third All-Star game from there. They're going to fill their – they're going to call up another one of these um, All-Star guys from one of these lesser games. That's what I think is going to happen. If they can't get Bennett, it's because the Senior Bowl pulls him because Levis can't play. They'll they'll backfill that spot with one of these guys from the um, NFLPA or Hula Bowl. So last week we had quite the uh, hot take that we, we've we waited on, and we wanted to do this on the free show. Um, this is another kind of Ohio State banger, though. Um, grab it here. And it talked about... Um, Ohio State's Jackson Smith and Jigma this year and that he will do you have the tweet? I cannot find it all of a sudden. It's not loading in mine. Uh, no, but I recall exactly what it said. It was our, our pal Luca uh, Satriana and he said that uh, he had he had uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba graded as the best Ohio State receiver last year compared to Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson. Yeah, so let me ask you this. As a guy that has seen all three up close and personal, um, Smith and Jigba, I saw a comparison that I wanted to run by you and get your thought first. Uh, I saw one guy, uh, one tastemaker, 
give him a comp to C.D. Lamb. Okay, by the way, I found the full tweet, so I'll read it. And let me give Luca's handle, too, because I Luca's a, a great kid, and um, I really like his evaluation style, and he puts a lot of good clips on Twitter. So follow this guy. It's Luca Sartarana. So I'm a, I apologize if I mispronounced that. Uh, it's at S-A-R-T-I-R-A-N-A-L-U-C-A. And the actual tweet will do it as fair justice. I gave to Jackson Smith and Jigba a higher grade than Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave. So back to your question, is CeeDee Lamb a good comp for Smith and Jigba? And I think that is going to turn out to be a good comp from a metric standpoint, from a height, weight, speed standpoint. I think we're going to see the shortcoming is the literal shortcoming is that Smith and Jigba is going to be a little bit smaller uh, height wise. But as far as the height weight, remember people thought C.D. Lamb was going to come and measure in at like 180 pounds because of how he's listed on Oklahoma's roster. And he came in over 190. So Smith and Jigba, he's going to be about 6'1", 200. And I think you're going to see similar 40 time. I forget what C.D. ran, but uh, we expect Smith and Jigba is going to run in the mid to high 4.4s. Some people are saying he's mid 4.5. I think he's going to be faster than that. And he's certainly, as long as the injury is, is uh, healed. He's been training, and uh, I think he's going to do better than four or five. But as for the take, though, and uh, you know, s- while Seth gets himself off mute, this uh, this take. <laughs> yeah, Lamb Lam was a four or five guy. Sorry. Okay, so official four or five guy. As for the take, I don't agree. I don't agree. Um, the thing is, Smith and Jigba put up record-setting numbers at Ohio State while those other two guys were on his roster, though. So Chris Olave. Garrett Wilson, they played with him. Uh, both those guys missed a game or two while Smith and Jigba played. But um, I think, you, you know, those guys were 4-3 guys. And it's going to be hard to – Smith and Jigba's strength is his route running, I think. He gets open. But a lot of his production came because defenses had to account for those other two guys who had dynamic deep speed. And that's what Smith and Jigba is missing. Um, I'm I'm a I'm high on JSN. It's questionable whether the NFL is high on him because we're seeing projections like Dane Brugler said that the NFL doesn't think maybe thinks one receiver is a top twenty, and that's Jordan Addison. And then the other guys the the, the league thinks they can get value on day two, so they're not going to push other guys up into the first round which is really a stark contrast to what we've seen the last couple of years where receivers have gotten pushed way up and, and gone way early. But it seems at this stage, Addison is, is considered the top receiver by most teams. And then even guys like Quentin Johnston, who are, who's going to be an athletic freak is could fall into the second round. The question always becomes, and Here's the other thing is like Lamb is six to like one ninety five, right? So he's pretty he's pretty long and wiry comparatively. Cause Smith and Jigba is listed, and I know these are listing, but he's listed at six foot two hundred. So two inches shorter and ten pounds heavier. Um and I've seen him at six one uh, in other places too. So, but if you look at him, doesn't he look tall and lanky too? I don't. I mean, I mean, not maybe not tall, but lanky. He, 
yeah, I mean, he looks lean. I, you know, I was, I was wondering, and obviously, you know, Lamb or or this, and again, these are extremely high end comps, but like, could he be closer to like a Justin Jefferson? Because weren't weren't there a lot of questions about whether Jefferson could be a number one? And I'm saying as a prospect, maybe not reach that level of all pro, you know. The thing is, he won't be close to that. I don't think he's going to touch that athleticism. We think uh, Smith and Jigba is probably going to be like a 36-inch vertical. But Jefferson, remember, he ran a 4.42. I think he had a 38-inch. He tested way more explosive. But then the comp could be the usage because Jefferson was used as out of the slot where he had Chase out on the outside. And now you have Smith and Jigba who was used out of the slot where he had guys like Olave and Wilson, uh, Marvin Harrison Jr. playing outside. So the NFL combine results for Jefferson was 6'1", 200 pounds, which like, you know, 6'1 versus 6'2". But yeah, four four three and a thirty seven and a half inch vert. It could be closer than I thought. Then it, it really could be because I, I think that's a little faster than what JSN is going to run. Um, did did they have an arm measurement on on Jefferson that you saw? Thirty three. Okay, so there you have a big discrepancy in length because Jackson's uh, probably more like thirty thirty one. So okay. the catch radius is going to be smaller there. And I th- I think that does make a difference with what you see with. Uh, how Jefferson plays, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, and again, we're talking as a prospect because like what Jefferson's done his first three years is basically unheard of in, in NFL it, history. It really is. So so to you know, there's no comparison for, you know, if you say like, oh, he plays like Je- uh Justin Jefferson that you're gonna get those results. You're not gonna get uh you're not gonna get over forty eight hundred yards in your first three seasons. I, I can Almost guarantee it. <laughs> I mean, the the I I kind of like the college usage comp though, because well, and that's and that's what made me think of Jefferson is because that was the big knock on him coming out, right? Was that he was the slot guy in that LSU high powered offense, and and you know could he be more than that? And so that's that's why I came kind of came with that with with um with JSN because that again we didn't get to see it this year because of the injury but that was kind of his usage last year when you had Olave and Wilson on the outside right right and the thing about receivers of this size is when we get the full combine measurements you're going to get a lot of noise with a lot of prospects who weren't very good you know who just weren't because of that that is a very common size speed range for wide receivers um if you look at some of the guys who were drafted early with some of that size speed you got you're going to get a brandon Ayuk, who i think te- he's was more explosive but he was only a four or five guy but maybe better uh better in the jumps uh you're going to see former colt and former buckeye anthony gonzalez shows up in that range zay jones is another one that comes up, and that took him a few. It took him a couple landing spots to kind of find his footing and get get guys like Marquise Lee, who's a player I've seen compared to JSN as a low end. And remember, he was a 
player thought highly enough where he's mocked in the first round and ends up going in this in the uh, early second round. But you get some other, you know, not so favorable ones. Uh, who, who and, were, and Lee had two really good seasons in mm-hmm. 16 and 17 as like a wide receiver three or high, you know, wide receiver two while Jacksonville was kind of figuring themselves out. Yeah, so we're going to want to see kind of the rest of, of Smith and Jigba's profile. One thing we know about him from his high school testing is he ran a very quick shuttle, and that kind of comes out in the route running. So when you look at guys who were um, in that range but had the, the quicker shuttles, again, you're going to get, um, you know, Zay Jones, Marquise Lee. You're going to get Anthony Gonzalez again. These players were all drafted in the early second or, or first round. So. um that's that's your range for Jackson Smith and Jigba. He's probably going to go in the late first, early second round. And that is why, circling back to um, our buddy Luca's tweet, uh, I respect the process. Again, follow our guy, but I don't agree. I don't. I cannot agree with uh, him having the same grade as those other two, who historically became the first two uh, teammates from a college, uh, guys who were teammates in college, to both eclipse a thousand yards in their rookie season in their same rookie season. So I know it's probably a pretty rare thing to even have two guys come out like that. But um, the fact they both went over a thousand, you see the value early on and neither of those guys are playing with the quarterback. Who's going to uh, be the franchise quarterback for their organization. So um, JSN, he's going to have, he's he's probably going to actually end up in a better situation than what Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave did this uh, in 2022. Anything else before we get out of here? Uh, just always, thanks for listening. Uh, thanks for bearing with us. And we're going to be covering uh, Shrine and Senior Bowl next week. Check out our Patreon site again. It's just two bucks a month to get all the bonus podcasts. And it's uh, four bucks a month if you want to get all the content, which is going to include articles, rankings, and some other things as we ramp up. There might be some extra. You know, last year I did my my rankings as like short mini podcasts, and there was like 10 of those. So the $4 tier, you're going to get value for that. That is the generational tier. So, of course, not only do you get the value, but you get the prestige of being a generational patron. Yeah, and we appreciate you guys listening, whether you subscribe or not. But, uh, you know, we'll continue to have both. And, and like we said, there's some extra stuff out there that you guys can, you guys can, you know, get even more takes from us from and uh, helps us out a little bit too. So thanks as always for listening. We'll be back later this week with our Patreon episode. Have a good night, everybody. We need to do an outro at some point. That just something kind of, what I hear in other shows is where they're like, uh, you know, uh, subscribe and give us a five-star review. Sign up for our Patreon. It's $2 a month for our bonus episodes, $4 a month for all additional content. Something like that. Yeah, we should work on something like that. That could be it right there. A read, yeah. That's it. Exactly.